Hello everyone and welcome to Saturn Returns with me, Kagi Dunlop. This is a podcast that aims to bring clarity during transitional times where there can be confusion and doubt. Today is a very special episode as I'm joined by one of my oldest friends. She really needs no introduction for those of you who have followed me from the beginning of my career and that is Millie McIntosh. Me and Millie first met when we were 15 or 16 and we became fast friends. We did our gap year together, she's the reason I did Made in Chelsea and we've been friends ever since and you guys have wanted her on the podcast and so I'm very excited to share this conversation. In this conversation with Millie we discuss her experience at school and the reason I wanted to talk to her about this is because having known Millie for as long as I have and been as close to her as I am I know about that experience and I think it's an interesting angle because I don't think many of you would. Millie has become very famous, she's often in the press and I I sometimes feel that when people have that public persona we think we know them but we don't actually know their experiences or why they are the way they are and so it was really insightful for Millie to open up as vulnerably as she did in this conversation and talk about what made her the person she is today and some of those experiences were difficult for her but I think it's really interesting and very humanizing. We also discuss motherhood and the role that Millie is in now with her two kids and how that's been really grounding for her. It's something that it keeps popping up for me personally is I guess I'm at that age where it's more around me a lot of people are kind of shifting into that role so it was really interesting hearing Millie's perspective on her turbulent 20s I guess going through her Saturn return and then finding this sort of peace in motherhood and a real sense of purpose in it we also touch on sobriety which Millie openly talks about as something that she and I both struggled with our relationship with alcohol for similar and different reasons. And she's very truthful in this conversation about her experience with it, her struggles with anxiety and her decision to go sober, basically. So if that's something you guys are struggling with, something you want to address and haven't quite got the courage to yet, I hope you find this episode supportive. Well, Millie Mack, welcome. Hi, my love. I can't stop giggling because <laughs> we're back on camera and it's just giving me flashbacks. Flashbacks. And it's like a kind of deja vu feeling. Can you? I know. It's like a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of excitement. Yeah. What's around the corner? Like, oh, God. Who's going to come through the door? Where's the third camera? <laughs> Obviously, you don't really need an introduction because everyone knows who you are. But this is the first time you've actually been on Saturn Returns, which is super exciting. We've wanted to have you. There's been a lot of demand to have you on the show. So I guess we're going to obviously discuss how we know each other. Obviously, people will think that we know each other more through Made in Chelsea, but actually our friendship far predates that. Yeah. Because we met when we were... I think we were 16. 16 years old. On... In London. It was someone's birthday... Anthony's birthday. It was in a club, I think. No, it no. wasn't. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was in, was it Henry J. Beans? Yes. It was Henry J. Beans. Yeah. Okay, I think I was wearing some really indecent You were wearing jeans. some very indecent jeans that had slashes through the buttocks. They were so ripped <laughs> that there was more skin on show than there was jeans. Denim. My mum actually 
like through. Did them you in do the bin. those? Did you make them? No, they. You know those. You know the, that kind of look of the really ripped jeans. But then they, as I wore them more and more, they like the rips got more indecent. Yeah, it was a good look. It was a strong. It was always those like really low cut jeans, and then the, the little crop top. Yeah, that was the fashion, wasn't it? Yeah. But before that, if we were to go back, like, because I kind of wanted to explore today a little bit with you about school life yeah what that was like for you because to a lot of people listening they will know you through firstly made in Chelsea and then everything you've gone on to do today and you know I guess from your life since then it has been very much in the public eye living life as a famous person but what was like your school experience like my school experience and I have been thinking about this recently actually because we need to put Sienna down for schools and it kind of brings it back a bit you have to start thinking about like where they're going to go to school and what her experience is going to be like because mine was pretty awful I went to five different schools you went to five yeah I didn't know it was five and I was quite badly bullied at probably like three of them Mm-hmm. and the first one I went to was like near to where we lived in the countryside it was in Wiltshire and I left there when I was nine and went to my first boarding school and it's something also I've been like doing some work on in therapy recently because like when I go back through my life and I've been trying to kind of get more to like the root causes of my anxiety I think a lot of it stems from being sent to this school when I was nine. Sent to boarding school? Yeah, sent to boarding school. Because you didn't feel ready to leave home? I don't mean who's I mean, ready to leave, who is ready to leave home at nine. Now I've got a little girl. Yeah. It's, it's kind of uncomfortable like having these thoughts and being like, why was I sent to school when I was nine? Like, because I, you know, it really, it's made me really question, was I like this really awful child? Mm. And I really think my parents just thought it was the best option for me at that time because the school... I was at, I wasn't getting on that well. They had like a change in like headmaster. My parents didn't really like the the like direction the school was going in. And I went to this boarding school where you could ride, ride ponies every day. And it was, it's now like closed down. It was quite like Cinturinians and it was in Dorset. So it was quite far from where my parents lived, like a couple of hours. It was quite brutal because you didn't have phones mm-hmm. and you literally would just write letters home on a Sunday that was it yeah and you go home like it wasn't you go home, it wasn't weekly boarding it was like you go home for a holiday eggs like yeah half-term. and like half term and holidays so maybe like every couple of weeks did you remember being homesick there yeah like like devastated like I would literally like cry and cry and cry and just like cry and stare at a picture of my parents and like cry myself to sleep write letters home that were like so tear-stained you couldn't like read what it said but basically begging to leave I tried to run away how did that go I got to like the end of the drive and was hungry. (laughs) Like the intent was there. Like I was like, this is all to be there. Then I think that probably went on for like six months or so of just being like really hating it. And then I did slowly start to make a few friends and like get more used to it. And then I think the rest of the time I was there, I do have some good memories. It wasn't like all bad. And there wasn't any severe bullying at that school. I'd say it was more, there was a, you know, when the older years have this really, like the older years will just pick on the younger years and you yeah. have to really like have respect for the older years. And it's it's kind social of hierarchy. Social hierarchy. And if you're kind of not in with, if you like 
do something wrong to the wrong person they'll be like really have it in for you like the whole time that you're there mm -hmm. so it was all definitely all about like respect um so that was my experience there and then when I was 12 I went to a school called North Fallen Lodge which was went, went all the way up to 18 and I actually really enjoyed it and was kind of coming out my shell like, I remember like, I had my first kiss it was it was an all-girls school but like I was kind of at that stage between being a girl like be, like kind of just going into my teens kind of blossoming like, blossoming being like more interested in boys like f feeling a bit more confident and then it shut down after a year then I went to Westenburg, which was, I think, where I was when I met you. Mm -hmm. All girls. Actually, maybe we were like 14 when we met. Well, I you think. were there maybe 15. Maybe yeah, like 15. GCSE time. Yeah. And it was I before was, you went to Millfield. Yeah, 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 I was there for three years. So that we would have met when I was at Westenburg. That was all girls boarding. And really, that the girls were super mean because my the school I was at before had closed down. I went there. Um, like mid in the middle of the term mm. so you know all the friendship groups had already been made that's tough it was it was and I was like the new girl that had joined a few weeks into the term and that was the girls were so mean I had like just like that was like really bad bullying girls at that age can be quite savage and so I thought I did three years there and I really didn't like it and I thought if I go to a mixed school that's going to be the answer so I went to Millfield for sixth form and that was probably the worst of them all why? Because the boys were like actually just as bad as the girls, or if not worse. In bullying? Yeah. In what kind of bullying? Like, you know, in the way that boys will like label you something and like pick on you and just be like quite cruel. Yeah. And by that age, you've kind of got like alcohol added into the mix, like all of that going on as well. I also think with the schools that, I don't know about Millfield, but the schools that were boys only schools and then introduce girls yeah. they've got a sort of got quite a, a chauvinistic culture yeah and because it's such a sports school it's like there's this kind of jock mentality with where all the guys kind of the, the jocks kind of are like the, the kings of the school they kind of like rule and they would just sit there in like the cafeteria and like mark all the new girls down would they like hold those cards, cards. it was that. like it was quite it was bad so that millfield for you was the worst but generally like by school that point wasn't... I was just so like over school I didn't want to be there um I'm surprised I actually competed sixth form but I didn't do a levels I actually did a b-tech diploma in art and design which had like loads of different like modules so I did like fashion design I did everything from drawing to sculpture to photography a lot of what I did there does actually feed into what I do in my job now mm -hmm. you would learn um you know how to edit photos in like photoshop and how to you know do conventional photography but then also dig the digital side um so it was it was really creative and I th that kept my interest a little bit but like overall I was like just so over school couldn't wait to leave didn't want to do any further education so I didn't go to uni which I've been having discussions with Hugo about because he thinks it's like so important and I don't yeah and now we have to think about like you know it's a while away but, but it's but, a big conversation because yeah. I think, you know, histor I think our parents' generation, it was just like, you have to go to yeah. university, otherwise you don't stand My parents didn't go to uni. They didn't. Yeah. So they didn't really put pressure on me to go to uni either. I guess it really depends what you want to do. But I, for you, the things that you learn actually have applied quite well, I guess just by coincidence in many ways, because yeah. it wasn't like a straightforward trajectory to 
where I, you are I now. I weirdly feel that because I didn't have an easy time at school in my teen years and that kind of teasing and bullying, a lot of the time the way I dealt with it was by like kind of laughing it off and like trying to, trying to build this like tough exterior, pretending mm. I didn't care. I think some of that has been quite useful since being in the public eye. Also, I've had this like strong sense of like, I will make it like yeah. as a because fuck of you. that yeah interesting because as someone that's known you since you were 15 I've always like the girl that I met was well put together beautiful everyone like wanted to know who you were all the boys wanted to be with you so I never knew like Millie before that yeah because we were friends while I was at school because we weren't at the same school yeah like, but also got, like you say yeah. you you kind of went through that stage of of blossoming probably when you went to the girls only school when yeah. you went through halfway through the term yeah. and you kind of were changing and becoming more of a woman which perhaps was threatening to some of the other girls yeah there. now I can see that but at the, but time, at the time you didn't know you're you know I was like I was like this gangly teenager that I was just really unsure of how I looked I mm. wanted approval I wanted to be told I look pretty but other girls were so mean what kind of things would they do like try and um like break my nose with a lacrosse stick that was or was it a polo stick like they would set like traps so if I like walked into the room there would be something that would like swing and like hit me in the face oh or God. so really bad bullying just, like like mean really mean girl stuff mm-hmm. I got I got um scouted at the clothes show which I, re- I remember being like it like, like started quite a lot of of bullying and I was like so excited by it I was like I think about 14 wow like it would be my dream to be a model like was so it was like this big deal and I remember getting this phone call and it was one of the girls like pretending to be like a model agent like calling me and I was like ecstatic like I'd waited like months and hadn't heard anything and I thought I was like getting this call to say like can you come to London and then like I just heard someone like laughing (gasps) I just remember like my heart like dropped that is shocking like you know that was just like standard stuff. That, that was just a, a standard day yeah. in the week. Yeah. Oh my God. How how did you react to it at the time? I don't really remember. I think I have shut out quite a lot of the memories. But what I do remember that I would pretend to find it really funny. Just I was like, as like a kind of protection method. Mm-hmm. Like you weren't affected by yeah, it. Yeah, just pretend like it didn't, but it, would, like it hadn't hurt me. Like if you don't show them that did you been hurt. Did you feel like you were trying to find it funny in a way that you still wanted to be part of their gang? Yeah. Like you wanted to be accepted yeah, by them? Yeah, totally. Even though they were rejecting you? Yeah. Just as like a, okay, how can I make this seem funny so it's all okay and it's not really such a big deal? Like I didn't go and, I don't really remember like talking to, I didn't talk to my parents about it. I don't remember talking to a teacher about it. I was so desperate to like be accepted and be part of the kind of social norm. Mm. How do you think that's impacted you? Because you mentioned a second ago about, you know, getting to the root of your anxiety. How do you think that's impacted you in the woman you are today? In like, because obviously then, you know, if we fast forward a couple of years and then you're put into the public eye and getting all this sort of press attention, everything like that, that's in like a, a whole different world of exposure but also comes with a lot of criticism and a lot of opinion and your life very much from that point has been documented in the public domain 
how have you like managed that because personally for me like I find that too anxiety inducing and I kind of tapped out of a lot of it so how have you like what's that experience been like for you I think good and bad but I'd say I feel like I've been like lucky and I feel really lucky to have had the opportunities and the you know the career path that has happened since we went on the show because we didn't know like what it was going to be mm-hmm. like we went on the show thinking this could just be I don't know what we literally didn't even have a name so we were like what are we <laughs> what are we doing um <laughs> I, remember, I think it was sort of we viewed it as it would either be successful or go completely under the radar we didn't anticipate yeah. the, the third no, route yeah which was yeah. everyone would like hate us <laughs> or like it was just kind of this very yeah. polarized thing yeah you know, people loved it or they hated it it was kind of totally. like marmite of tv um but i'm i mean you know, I, I look back on it i'm like so grateful that we did that but yeah it was quite intense being thrust into the kind of public spotlight at 21 when i think back over that whole of my 20s to be honest it's just there's a lot of anxiety that was there um and it's something that I've I've talked about it quite a lot something that I've been on a journey to trying to I don't know if you can really ever fix it but trying to learn to live with it and trying to reduce it to a point where it's not something that really bothers me in my day-to-day life yes it can be it's still there sometimes and I have to deal with it when it comes up but I would say through the kind of therapy that I've done a lot of it stems down to kind of childhood stuff and and my school years and those formative years are so important and if what you go through and experience in those years will affect you for the rest of your life mm-hmm. which definitely since having kids you become like really hyper aware of that um and yeah it did it did make me really like anxious i've had like bouts of depression um, I was depressed when I was at school. I was diagnosed with depression when I was like 16. Then they, and like they tried to prescribe me with medication and I refused to take it. I probably should have. It probably would have helped, but I was just so in such a negative headspace. I didn't want, I didn't even want the help at that mm-hmm. point. I mean, even when we were, I was thinking back like recently to like when I first, when did I first register that I was having a panic attack or that I had anxiety because the, it wasn't talked about as much. No. But when we went traveling, so yeah, I, was just, I was just suddenly uh, remembering. I was when 18 we and I was actually anxious a lot of the time. Yeah. And just to add for our listeners, me and Millie did our gap year <laughs> together, which when our parents dropped us off at Gatwick, I couldn't believe they were letting us go to travel the world on our own because we were nightmares <laughs> and so irresponsible and didn't have a clue. I don't know how we made it back in one piece, to be honest. But you did, I remember when we were traveling, you did, and now the language would have yeah. been you know anxiety panic attack but we didn't really have the I remember being at the full moon it. at the full moon party with you in Thailand and I would just yeah I would just I would just which obviously is very anxiety inducing it's a lot yeah. of people a lot of people like taking a lot of drugs it's super loud music it's, it's an overload of like sensory yeah. overload but just it was quite terrifying and I just remember I didn't want to be alone but I didn't want to be at the party but I, I just I did I was so uncomfortable mm-hmm and I just, yeah, I just remember having a lot of like stomach issues as well, which yeah. now I know were like, were so linked to, to the anxiety. And I had this kind of this really uncomfortable IBS symptoms where I would get these kind of stomach cramps and feel a bit like sick. And you had stomach issues from the get go yeah. when we were traveling, which obviously in, you know, Bali and wherever we were was 
not ideal. No. Like, I, I think my approach was sort of like, suck it up, let's go. Yeah, out. Just drink some more alcohol, that'll solve it. <laughs> don't think I'd, I had it, like, you know. such a downer, Millie. <laughs> You're like, no, actually, I'm really ill. No, actually, I really can't drink, but it was like just, just yeah, it was, there, was, there wasn't really an option. It was like, we were, we were out most nights we for were. like four months. Yeah. So how, when you mentioned that anxiety and like, so thinking about traveling, like, why do you think particularly that? Do you think it was the being out of comfort zone in foreign places? Yeah, I think a lot of, you know, you're far from home, like much further from home than I've ever been. I don't think, I'm trying to think, I don't know if I'd even like, I had, I don't know, I had left Europe before that, but it was like a lot further than I'd been. Mm. Um, Far from home, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. You don't have that kind of, you don't have a routine. Mm. You don't know kind of where you're even going to be staying like the following week. Like we had a rough plan because we went to like Bali, then Australia, then we went to Thailand. But not really. I mean, it was yeah. all pretty free flowing. Yeah. And I get, I always think as well, when we travel, especially when it is unstructured, it can bring a lot of stuff to the surface because even routine and, you know, having things in a structured order keeps things at bay. So if we've totally. been like suppressing certain emotions and stuff, often like when you go abroad and you all of that goes out the window it kind of is brought up to your conscious mind also at that age I hadn't I didn't have any concept of self-care like obviously or tools for going, how to manage it going you know going to get my nails done or a, a massage or something sure that was self-care but I didn't have a kind any routine I hadn't discovered at that stage yet how useful exercise um can be to help aid with with, with mental health I, I didn't have any any thoughts about my mental health I just knew that I felt awful but I didn't I hadn't I didn't have any idea or any tools um to make myself feel better and then when Made in Chelsea came about did you view that as you know you could because I always feel like you had quite a clear trajectory of like the path that you wanted to go down did it feel like an immediate yes for you was it like because I was work when I went on to Made in Chelsea I I guess I had had this dream since I was like this teenage girl that had been like scouted that I'd wanted to be a model. Mm-hmm. And I had auditioned for Britain's Next Top Model. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. And then when I, and I got through a couple of the rounds, when I didn't get through to the final round and the Maiden Chelsea producers at the same time had been like kind of trying to get a meeting with me, that's when I was like, okay, well that t- that opportunity to get onto TV and maybe like further my career as a model or in some way, I was also training as, I trained as a makeup artist yeah, and I was I working as a, like part-time as a makeup artist. So I thought this is in some way is gonna help me like progress to the next level and speed things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just thought I'm gonna use this platform somehow. And you did, I think of everyone in the show, you went into it being like, I know what I'm gonna get out of it rather than just, I don't know, just kind of mucking around. Like it felt like you were quite clear about your goals. I knew it was an opportunity and when people, sometimes ask me and say do you do you feel like exploited by the show I, feel like I kind of did think of it like okay I'm gonna get what I can out of the, out of this yeah and they'll go, get yeah. what they can out of you so it was like an exchange I kind of saw it that, that way how do you feel that the fame aspect exacerbated the anxiety or how totally did... I mean how can it not and I think the way everyone has like camera phones now it's like that feeling of like being watched being you know whatever you do anywhere one of the hardest things i found is 
you know is you can't like you're living your life your private life in public and and people anyone anywhere can if you're not in a private space mm-hmm. can take a picture take a video of what you're doing yeah what are there any particular moments that come to mind that you found particularly hard when that's happened yeah I mean it's definitely there has been a lot of anxiety inducing moments because it it has been like super uncomfortable and I've I you know I have made mistakes like we all do when we're young like I look back over my 20s and if there was lots of ups and downs um I feel like some of it though I had to go through in order to get to the place that I'm in now Mm -hmm. when you obviously like I kind of the whole show is about people going through their Saturn return and in your late 20s like you went through massive changes and everything kind of was turned upside down what was that particular like looking back now how do you reflect on that time like what are your thoughts and feelings around it like what place were you in then versus where you're at now my late 20s I had got divorced which probably wasn't expecting to have done by the time I was like 26 because how long were you guys married for I was married from I think I was like 24 to 26 or 27 20 yeah. yeah I was I think I was about 23 when I got engaged Wow. So, so, young. so young didn't know like who I was yet it's definitely still in that place like trying to you know figure out who I was and what I was doing whilst um, it being documented that for was the like you know see. 10 years ago yeah and then so I think when I was about 26 20, 27 I was with Hugo we got engaged we and we got married I think I was 29 mm-hmm and then by the by and then at 30 I got pregnant and how is that experience so that so there so in those couple of years I went from kind of quite turbulent getting divorced to then being with Hugo you know being happy and then and being like I I want a family and getting married and having baby because what was the reconnection like with Hugo because I can't I remember speaking to you about it at the time but because that was a whirlwind period and also really hard to go through a breakup very publicly it was really hard having kind of press attention around a really painful time and you just want privacy and then the feeling of there was a lot of anxiety actually really around I was just an anxious mess to be honest at that point I was like rattling about like lost a lot of weight was just like not everything was very like uncertain and scary as it is when you go through a breakup let alone like a public one um, and then me and Hugo has like started hanging out again as friends and that feelings did come back up and and we then we started seeing each other again but when we, we were like meeting up and stuff we had to try and like hide and because we want like the press to pick up on it which is quite stressful which with that was it was really stressful and also you want to be able to you know the initial periods of sort of courtship in a relationship are crucial and if you have the press kind of prying in it can disrupt the organic flow of something a little bit. So I can understand that you want to be protective over that period yeah. of time. Did you manage to keep it quite private? We de- we definitely did try to. I th- at the same time, I was. It was like a it was an anxiety inducing time, mm-hmm. and I think around 
that first year I probably I feel like I was was going quite off the rails like I was happy with him but just like generally I could be like quite up and down like it took me a while to kind of like recover and like get to the more stable place I felt like I was in like when I got pregnant with Sienna Mm -hmm. and that was quite grounding so so grounding I actually just remember being like thank you for like giving me this right now like just to like the universe because it was like I just needed it and was like this is what I want but at that point it was very grounding it was like right I know I'm not, I'd been traveling so much in those couple of years as well I think because I knew I did want to have I did want to have children like quite soon like when I was with got back with Hugo I was like this is my person and I knew that I was gonna want to start that journey so I, I just did loads of traveling thinking get it I'm not going to be able to travel as much. And I'm really glad I did. Um, And then I just remember being so, feeling so lucky to be pregnant with Sienna. And just, I was like, I know I'm going to be in the same place a lot more. And it just, everything that was going to come with it. um, Yeah, it's just been a massive whirlwind since then, to be honest, because I really then came quite soon afterwards. So the last, like, and and we had a pandemic, so yeah. that was like the last three years no which is like also feels like it's gone by in a flash like sienna's three in like two months what has motherhood had the role of motherhood like meant to you is it something that you've always wanted or was it something that happened when you met hugo or reconnected with hugo that it suddenly awakened that part of you it definitely for me motherhood is something i've I've always wanted I was that little girl that was like obsessed with dolls and babies and my first jobs were like nannying babysitting jobs when I was quite young you know when you live in the country and that's like the only way I could like make money was like on like evenings and weekends um babysitting and I just I've always loved kids so I always pictured having having kids and my mom maternal I feel like I'm quite a maternal maternal person. I love looking after people and just, yeah, I get so much like happiness from from the girls, especially the ages they're at now. They're really kind of affectionate. I can actually have chats with Sienna. She told me I was her best friend. And they just, they, they give me so many cuddles. I just, I just love I like the love closeness. She is a mini you. She also like wipes snot on me. <laughs> <laughs> when I came over the other day she does it for fun because I hadn't seen her in such a long time yeah. and I could see that she is a little bit of a diva and you yeah. were like yeah, I wonder where she gets that from whereas yeah. really is just so chill no, she's actually she's quite feisty as well at times oh is she yeah. oh no both, so we've got Sienna's a Taurus same oh, yeah she's yeah, got, it's got the same, same birthday, birthday. That's pretty. That's a pretty big deal as well that that you guys had the same birthday. Yeah, it's quite a big deal. And Aurelia is mm, Scorpio, mid Feb. No, sorry, mid November. That's a Scorpio, right? I think so. Anyway, they both they they're both, if they're hungry or tired. They both, <laughs> there's a lot of screaming, but when they're in a good mood, it's like so lovely to hang out with them. How have you found managing? Before having kids, right? Yeah. Being very much in the public eye, like going to loads of parties, going to loads of events, having to present yourself in a certain way a lot of the time, which I can imagine would be quite exhausting. How, and also like, I guess, having a personal brand 
How did you find that transition then going into motherhood from a sense of juggling all those roles, but also kind of adapting into that new aspect of yourself as a brand? I remember having this quite funny moment when I, you know, when something like flashes up on your phone and it reminds you of like eight, what, this time last year. Yeah. And it was like the year before I'd been at Cannes Film Festival doing a job for like Magnum ice cream, like so glammed up. And then like a year on and I was <laughs> doing an ad for like a, a cleaning mop. <laughs> <laughs> and shooting the content in my kitchen, like in lockdown. You're like, and I was like, like pregnant. And I was like, this is just... <laughs> just a pretty big change but it just really made me laugh like how much how quickly like things can change as well um I would say it has my whole life has completely adapted and that you know that I yeah I still get glammed up and go to events but maybe not not as often and to be honest I'm pretty grateful when I get to stay in and (laughs) I'm you know in my comfy is with my hair in a bun and like not a care in the world it's more like I definitely it feels like a bit more of an effort when I've got to be camera ready how do you find those experiences now like going like, to those big events and you know what I actually feel so much calmer mm-hmm. than you did before yeah like I'm like I remember I used to get loads of anxiety around like big events like red carpet things have all these nerves and I actually feel more confident now in my 30s like in myself in my appearance in just had to say just with my I just have I think I've found more confidence in myself since having my kids why do you think that is I just care less what other people think like I just kind of like this is me but also like my body's amazing I've grew two humans and I maybe I'm a bit more like fearless Mm -hmm. definitely have like less energy and time for haters I'm just kind of like this is me do you feel like you do have haters I mean, yeah, not like you can't please everyone all the time. And there are like those Karens out there and mum police or just, you know, that troll that's going to want to say something horrible. Do you take, how do you manage that when that stuff, if you see it? Because obviously with social media, it's hard. I went through a phase just of savagely blocking people. <laughs> Good to say, block, block, block. But then what I realized I was doing to these like people is giving them validation the validation that their comment had like bothered me so now I just actually leave it unless it's horrific and you sometimes you have to report something but do you feel like you can have quite a thick skin around that stuff because I think you've always had from my you know being your friend for such a long time like quite a thick skin and being able to I think it does come from from the kind of bullying that I experienced for sure so it's like training for what the real world is going to be like yeah those bullies they leave school and they're still bullies a lot of the time. Yeah. So would you say that that was a positive thing that came out I think if I look back it? on it and kind of take something positive from it, it molded me into the person I am today. Hey, having panic attacks and struggling with anxiety and depression and having these mental health issues has not been ideal, but I feel in a really good place now that I've like done some work and like got to a place where I can see things more clearly and I'm not living in that place where I'm having panic attacks often and having now I figured out like how to manage it Mm -hmm. I think I can like look back on it all and be like it it was something that I had to go through just to get to the place that I'm in now and like have 
now I feel like I've got a better understanding of myself and like why I am the way I am. It feels like you're at this place where you're able to confront some of this stuff and face it head on perhaps because you feel more grounded and more settled in who you are and I also am a big believer that you know our body will bring these things up or our mind will yeah. release these things when, when you we're need to deal with it. yeah and when we're ready and capable of dealing with it so even though it can be tough it's only doing that so that we can actually work through that stuff what has been some of the useful things that you've discovered and some of the tools that you found that are really helpful? I think it's really all about lifestyle. And also you posted the other day, I thought it was super interesting about like showing up for yourself mm -hmm. and about discipline. Mm -hmm. And it's so true. It's like having, like learning the discipline to get your ass up out of bed, no matter how early to go and do that mindfulness to go and do that workout that is going to benefit how you feel like for the rest of the day it's so important yeah. and it's something I've really had to, to challenge myself to do especially after having kids when you don't have it's you know it's not as easy to just wake up at whatever time yeah, less, less time <laughs> you've as got well. less time like therapy um meditation even if that's a walk a meditation you do while you're walking it doesn't have to be like I, I like I love to meditate first thing in the morning but if you don't have time to do it that way you can do it like when you're commuting somewhere you can do it in the back not when you're driving but you can do it in the car you can do it on the train you can just sit and listen plug into something you can do it while you're exercising mm -hmm. finding that time to have a moment of mindfulness exercising and I've been talking about this a lot the um how much alcohol affects my anxiety so I've actually been sober for just over six months congratulations which has been like life-changing yeah I wanted to talk to you about that because I remember I think we I've talked to you about it before because I've kind of admired your your sober curious journey kind of from afar and been like oh that's cool that Kags is doing that like yeah and, and I've like picked the... your brains about it yeah the, it's that connection between that and anxiety and my mental health became, I couldn't ignore it anymore. I had ignored it for ages. I just didn't, I knew that obviously when I was hungover, I felt anxious, but it's not just even the day after. It's like for days, mm -hmm. like maybe up to a week. How have the last six months been? Really good. Like I feel it, like my anxiety is almost like non-existent. Do you think you're going to carry on? Yeah. It's not like people are like, oh, that's great. You've, I know you're doing that like no drinking thing at the moment. Like I'm like, no, but I'm not going to be like back back on it in a week. Like I'm, this is like a lifestyle change that I think is like for life. Yeah. I actually love it. And I'm, I'm getting more and more into it. I am kind of that annoying person that likes to go on about it because <laughs> I just feel so good and I want other people to experience it. And one of something that's really brought me a lot of joy recently is having other people reach out to me. Mm -hmm. and ask for my advice and help to, because they're also finding that alcohol is not their friend and they are sober curious and and helping those people and giving them advice and saying oh I listened to this podcast or I, I read this book and this really helped this is a really nice alcohol alternative drink if you're looking for one and then like catching up with them a few weeks later and hearing like that they're feeling so much better like it feels really good to help yeah. other people 100 percent. have you found that yeah and because you need a support system definitely because it's such a socially encouraged and normalized yeah, thing to I'll drink i'll be honest the beginning when i was like i'm going to stop drinking was after a particularly bad panic attack and would you be able to talk a little bit about what happened yeah i i was it was the end of summer 
I was staying on a friend with I was with Hugo. We were staying on a friend's boat in Turkey. Mm-hmm. We weren't with the girls. It's always quite hard being away from them as well, especially somewhere where you feel like quite remote and you couldn't get to them quickly. But we um, had had like a nice evening the night before, like not a super late night. Like I'd had a few glasses of wine, nothing. Wasn't like a wild party, but like we had had wine at dinner, went to bed and woke up super early and thought I was unable to breathe. Like I thought, I felt like my, didn't register that I was having a panic attack. I felt like my throat was really constricted and like it was, and I haven't ever had an anxiety attack like show up in my body like that before. A lot of the time for me, it's very much in my stomach. Like I feel very nauseous. This time it was, I literally felt like my throat was closing and that I like couldn't breathe. And I like literally was like hyperventilating, couldn't get Mm -hmm. enough air and I started to black out and I literally in that moment was like I'm dying and I thought I was never going to see my kids again it was like it was honestly like the scariest moment of my life and like I had woken Hugo up and he was trying to help me and he just sat with me trying to get me to do like deeper breaths and to breathe and like slowly 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 I came out of it but it like completely shook me and he was like okay let's get off the boat and like go and just like Go, we went on a hike, like the two of us, and we just had this like really big discussion. And then he was like, Why do you think, where do you think that panic attack came from? And I was like, I think, I don't think I would have had that panic attack if I hadn't been drinking that the night before. But it was like my body was trying to tell me something. You know, you said like these things like show up. Yeah. And I said the words out loud, I was like, I think I should just never drink again. And like when I had said it, like I suddenly, it really like, I was like, it was like this big statement to say it. I was like, this feels like kind of scary. Like, you know, I was also on a boat with some heavy drinkers for the next few days. I was like, what am I going to do? But at that point it had become undeniable. I think I just was like, this is elephant in the room. Like this is, alcohol is not my friend. I suffer a lot more than anyone else I know with, with hangovers. Like I get, you know, you've always know me yeah. like I've always, they definitely got worse with age and since having kids but my anxiety is so bad that you know I'll have had to cancel so many things just spent days feeling like a shell of a human yeah I was like I don't want to feel like this anymore like, it's just not worth it's it it's so not worth it um and those first few weeks like when I was around people drinking like I did feel quite uncomfortable not like oh I'm desperate for a drink but more just you feel left out I felt left out and I and I was used to alcohol like softening how I felt in social situations yeah I'd say even like the first two three months it felt quite rough like social occasions and I did limit things and I only really went to things where I really felt like I wanted to or like safe enough yeah and I also had like lots of therapy you know I spoke to my therapist about it and would have weekly therapy sessions where I would we would talk a lot about it and that would that would really help as well mm-hmm. I think you do definitely need like a support system but I started you know I just started to read I like ordered a whole load of books and started listening to different podcasts and um I just started to feel better about it each week what were some of the resources that you found useful I found just like when I started educating myself more about what alcohol actually does to your brain and body like the have you listened to the human podcast yeah I was he's I find him like it's so quite overwhelming because it's so much information. Is it just me? Is he kind of hot? <laughs> I don't know what he looks like, but his voice is kind of hot. His, vo- his voice is really <laughs> hot. Sorry, off topic. Um, 
but that podcast I was like wow that was really eye-opening I'd say that's really a good one for anyone who's like super curious to listen to it's quite long but like listen to it in two parts that was really interesting I think it would be hard to listen to that and not take some of it on board Mm -hmm. and really it really helped me to kind of make that link between alcohol and mental health like right this is actually it this is what it does to your brain and affirming what's going on, what your body's trying to communicate yeah. to you because you have to re-educate yourself on all this information because the normal thing in our society is to just drink. It's so normalized and not just drinking, but like heavy drinking. Yeah, binge drinking. Binge drinking in our culture, which, yeah, which to be honest, I was fully part of for so long. But it was just masking like my kind of uncomfortableness and my how self-conscious and anxious I felt and my kind of social anxiety. But it but charges you, you interest in the morning kind of thing. Oh That's my like, gosh. Like so the payoff is like I was getting screwed. I was like, this is not, this is <laughs> not worth it. Um, so I think having since having that realization that like, hey, this is not for me. But I think something that's really difficult in our culture as well is that alcohol's a drug that we're like actively encouraged to use and if we don't use it then oh we must have a problem mm-hmm. so there's this whole stigma around it like people are like oh what's wrong with you you don't drink but it's like <laughs> you wouldn't say that with any other drug you know you wouldn't be like why aren't you having that line of cocaine <laughs> after you're pushing? yeah yeah <laughs> so it's, when you look at it like that you're like wow it's like a multi-billion pound like industry yeah exactly there's a lot of agenda behind making it that way how have you because I always struggled at the beginning for me are you are you I haven't actually asked you recently are you still still sober curious you kind of yeah you drink occasionally I mean for me it's an interesting one because I like to keep the door ajar and by that it means that if I find myself in a situation where yeah but like 99% of the time I don't drink when I go to anyone's party or stuff like that I won't drink you know my boyfriend drinks and I don't that's just part of my day-to-day life but I want to give myself the freedom that if I felt like a glass of something in the right environment at the right time and it was most importantly that it's coming from the right place that it's not coming from why am I choosing to yeah have this drink is it coming from an emotional place or yeah is it coming from a I want to alleviate this anxiety and escape myself or is it coming from I want to be present and enjoy this moment and have something that's ritualistic and that's ceremonial and so that's the distinction I like to be able to make which is probably a bit more unusual and I think for people that are trying to find their way on it I always encourage people to recognize that it's a whole spectrum yeah and that it's just about experimenting with what works for you that being said I still know that no matter how much work I do the way alcohol impacts me is still undeniable and I might be able to get away with like having one drink and it not being so bad but there's also a possibility and I know if I roll the dice on that that I can have one drink and I will have nightmares about it which is something that really? I've yeah I've had that sit you know for the lot since I went sober curious for like five years ago or something that I immediately will have a dream about drinking and drinking too much and like 
getting things wrong. Really, so it kind of triggers something. Yeah, and it's almost... I actually, I've had dreams, actually. About drinking. Since, yeah, since I stopped, like, kind of, like, I guess, like, an anxiety dream. That, like, you drink and... And everything goes Peter Hong. Yeah. yeah. So I get that all the time. I have found that since becoming alcohol-free, I don't really like the word sober because I think it just sounds weighted. Like, I just, yeah. I'm free from alcohol is how I feel. I, like I would that. say I've just got a much better connection with myself and it's it's like are you she said something to me ages ago that Richard really stuck with me it's about choosing the you of tomorrow if I yeah, tomorrow, the right way. yeah yeah it's like choosing the person like choosing who you how you're going to feel the next day or like the future you yeah that's the showing most helpful up for that tool. person is so that's really helpful I think if you're like oh but how at the moment do you say no to that drink now I actually don't find it hard I like don't want it I see people drinking like cheap champagne at like a kind of launch party you know and I'm just yeah, like no. oh like <laughs> you're gonna have a headache tomorrow and I'm gonna feel great <laughs> annoying smug person um I do find it annoying that when they don't have good alcohol-free options so many so many people do, so many places do now it's getting a lot better abroad not so much and also people like weddings and stuff like that yeah so I haven't had um I had one I have had one small London wedding um, but I've got two coming up this spring. I'm actually excited for them because so often with weddings, especially if there's more than one night, mm-hmm. the first night I'd normally like get a bit overexcited, have too many cocktails. And then like the horrible. actual wedding, I'd be like trying not to like vomit in a bush, <laughs> like not able to enjoy it, like filled with anxiety and just feeling like horrible. Yeah. And then like can't really remember it all. Does it make you feel anxious about going to a place like that? sober or not no actually now I'm kind of just excited because I've started to actually enjoy going out again and enjoy conversations with people that I would just never even bother to have before I feel like I'm much more like interested in what people have to say and like able to actually connect connect so I'm actually kind of excited dancing sober I think that's going to take me a bit (laughs) you know know what my dancing was like when I was drinking (laughs) pretty great I think it was great. It was, yeah, but you are a naturally good dancer. <laughs> yeah. Do you, is, could, do you bring I, those those dance moves out so Come on. And this is my one say it thing. Comes back, really? But, oh, I don't know if I'm ever going to be like, to be honest, my, my drunk dancing was so bad. <laughs> I thought your drunk dancing was so good. I always good. thought it was good, but actually, yeah, I had some flashbacks and it really wasn't. That's the one area that I really want to crack is the dancing because I we just should go, feel we should go to like a sober rave or something we just need to go and like have a practice but you know the I like to do I, I want like R&B yeah me too <laughs> should we that's, find a sober should we start a sober R&B dance class <laughs> yeah but only the if it's only if it's Alex. just me and you <laughs> only if it's just us I'd actually be quite to up to start that. with but yeah but I we need just, to yeah, I definitely think I've, I do feel like quite embarrassed dancing and that is something with alcohol would always help with. Because it's such a fun thing to do. It's so freeing. It is freeing. I'm going to work on that, but maybe I should have some dance lessons. Before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you as well, what is one thing about yourself that people wouldn't know or wouldn't expect? You used to play the drums. <laughs> Did you? I would not have expected yeah. that. Well, have... did you play them well? <laughs> I thought it was pretty good, actually. I used to have this like bright blue drum kit in, above my parents' garage. Yeah. I'm just remembering when we you went rowing. 
No, when we went rowing in Hyde Park and you actually like... I'm dyspraxic. Okay, well, this is actually something that people don't know about me. I'm dyspraxic. There we go. I'm dyspraxic. I have dyspraxia. And but like, re- yeah, yeah. I had for like, those that don't know, can you it's explain a, it's what a learning, it's a, it's a learning disability. So people have often heard of dyslexia, which affects like your spelling um, and the way you like put words together mm-hmm. and your reading and writing that kind of thing. But dyspraxia affects your hand-eye coordination. Hence, why I'm so bad, find dancing so <laughs> difficult. Um, like for me, one of my things that it really affects anything like learning a routine, like a dance routine, like no chance, like. I will not be going on Strictly at any point, any time, <laughs> because literally it would be impossible. Um, uh, if you throw a ball at me, I will not catch I've it. I've thrown plenty of balls at you and they have just like hit yeah. off. If I try and throw a ball, like... it normally goes the opposite direction to what I, where I think it's going to go. Um, so no ball sports for me. Um, and yeah, I'm just basically quite uncoordinated. And yet you played the drums. Yeah. <laughs> See, there you go. Doesn't need to stop me from doing anything. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Well, Mills, thank you so much for joining me. my love. I didn't know. I thought you were going to like read me my like tea leaves. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. It was so nice to get Millie on. It was interesting because, you know, obviously we have spent so much time together as friends. We're now at these very different points in our lives but to kind of come back together it's it's a really beautiful thing I think with friendships when you go off and you do your own thing but ultimately when there's a real strong like connection and love there it doesn't really matter that you're doing different things on your or you're on different paths because there's always that mutual respect and love for each other and so I very much feel that with Millie it was lovely to get her on the show really and I hope that you guys found it an interesting conversation and it gave you an understanding of Millie from perhaps a different angle and also from our relationship which has always had a lot of humour and has been very playful and so I'm very grateful for that. Thank you so much for listening and as always remember you are not alone and if you are struggling with sobriety you can message me or Millie about it I know that she is very open to talking with people about it online as am I so I hope we can help in some capacity if it's something you relate to I will see you guys next week and as always remember you are not alone goodbye goodbye